You sure are. It is uh, 707 Skulls here and John Pincus. It is John Squared tonight, and we got all the information you need. Uh, get your learn on big time when it comes to employment law and workplace rights, all the good protections that are offered the employee uh, that you might not know about. So it's good to stick around for the hour and uh, and learn about them for sure. Keep them in your head. Anytime you want to reach out, please do. This is a live call-in show, as you know, 416 870 6400 star 640 on sale Monday nights, Wednesday nights, and the weekend shows, and of course, uh, Employment Law Show on Global TV and CTV on your weekend mornings. We will get to that. We'll talk about the pocket employment lawyer in just a bit and what you need to know about employment agreements. Uh, if you don't have one, that's great. If you have a thick one, then we're going to talk about it because it might not be so great, but we'll. Uh, We'll whittle into that uh, very shortly for sure. Again, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. But we always start, brother, with the uh, the week that was. How are you, man? I'm good, thanks. And uh, definitely have some interesting situations uh, to tell our listeners tonight that may sound familiar. And if they do, I, I hope they give us a call so we can uh, chat about uh, what situation you're dealing with. So the first one that I want to talk about is an employee who had been working for a company for about 15 years. She'd actually been working there since she was about 20 years old, so basically her entire working life. And it was a large enterprise-level company, many divisions, and she had worked her way up through the years until she had finally reached the position of a logistics manager. Well, she recently became pregnant and decided to take maternity leave under the Employment Standards Act, which, as you know, uh, or as you may know, uh, allows you to take a leave of 18 months, 78 weeks. So she, she decided, you know what, I really want to spend some time with my child, so I'm going to take the full 18 months, as is her right. So coincidentally, only four months later, the company decides they're going to restructure her department and you can't see me right now john but i'm, I'm using uh, air air quotes <laughs> yes. uh, to terminate her employment and uh, doing so in doing so they offered her about nine months pay as a severance package in exchange for a release and the human resources manager gave her a call and assured her that it had nothing to do with her maternity leave mm-hmm. and pointed out that as a matter of fact there were three or four other people being let go at the same time and they just she was one of the people they didn't have a role for anymore so when I spoke with this person, I said, first of all, she's owed more severance. Uh, but that's, that's almost just the tip of the iceberg here. There are some real problems from a human rights perspective and an employment standards perspective. And what I told her is that you know the company cannot decide four months into an 18-month maternity leave that they already do not have a position for you. They actually have to wait until that maternity leave is over and see if they can find something comparable. And I, I can tell you for an enterprise-level company uh, with this many positions, that, that just wasn't... Um, that, that, that just wasn't conceivable. Uh, and they can only make that decision at that time anyway. So we have some real human rights problems and some real liability for the company here. And the other issue is that while normally someone in her position might be entitled to maybe 14 or 15 months compensation, the fact that she was pregnant arguably made her entitlements even higher right. because the courts recognize that someone who's visibly pregnant may have a little bit more difficult of a time searching for a job. So we're going to be negotiating her severance, and I have very little doubt this is going to be resolved in short order. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. The calls, uh, lines at least are open. Bring them on if you want to talk. Uh, what else you got going on, man? So the second situation uh, involves an employee who was terminated for cause. 
So this is actually an interesting one. Uh, this person had been working in a factory as a plant manager for about 30 years. Uh, he managed about 100 people, and it's it's quite a safety-sensitive environment, a lot of heavy machines uh, um, and, and parts and things of that nature. So, well, one day this company gets a huge order from a new, uh, very large client. And unfortunately, one of their sales per, uh, people made a promise that he probably should not have made and suggested that they could have the order ready in a matter of few weeks. But the reality is based on the capacity of the plant operating safely, that order is going to take probably a couple months to satisfy. So this plant manager who, who has later become my client tells his boss, he says, look, the only way I could possibly meet that target is if we run these machines at a higher speed than mm. they're built for. And I know these machines, I've been working with them my whole life, that's just not safe. Right. So in other words, he's saying, I'm not willing to put my staff in harm's way so that you can get this, this or satisfy this new client. Well, they tell him, make it work or you're fired. Wow. And in response, yeah, right? And in response, he says, if you can tell Tell me a way to get this done. I will do it, but it's got to be done in a safe manner. So what do they tell me? Say, well, if you can't do it, we'll find someone else who can. And they fire him on the spot, and they claim insubordination. Jeez. Right, right. So where to even begin here, right? So first of all, while insubordination absolutely can be just cause for dismissal, refusing to do work that is clearly unsafe is not just cause for dismissal. So right away, this is a wrongful dismissal. And after 30 years, this, gen this gentleman could easily be owed up to two years' pay. And, and what the company did here was clearly offside. In fact, it was a violation of the Occupational Health and Safety Act. It was just wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, so we're going to get him a severance package, and this company's going to learn quickly that this is just not the way to treat your employees. You want to reach out anytime uh, to John, by the way, when we're not on the air, uh, 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900 is the way. And uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Always ready to uh, take it on and, and help you with your uh, with your concerns. We're going to get into this topic as well, including the phone calls. Again, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell whenever you feel like uh, calling through bring it on the lines are wide open for the remainder of this hour till around 10 to 8 so uh, so bring it on what you need to know about employment agreements uh, some of us have been uh, uh, not victim, not, uh, you know, thrown one, but we signed them in past jobs throughout our life. A lot of us have just been hired on a handshake. What, what, why, are, why are they so important? Well, they're important because they set out all the conditions of your employment. It's it's not just about the salary and the hours, which is what most people tend to focus on, or the, yeah, you know, vacation, the salary, yeah. vacation, that kind of thing. Yeah. An employment agreement is going to say where you're going to work, whether the company can transfer you, where they can adjust your hours, whether they can adjust your duties. But, you know, the top reason, of course, why they're important is because they can set out a fixed termination entitlement. This may be the employment standards minimums or maybe something a little bit more, but almost certainly it's going to be less less and potentially a lot less than your full entitlements. Mm -hmm. And we always talk about examples on the show of people who've been paid their minimum entitlements and how that compares to what they're actually owed. But if you've signed an employment agreement, you may be actually limiting yourself to that statutory minimum. And right. and for people who listen to this show, they know the difference for that is tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. So they're more and more prevalent and it's more important than ever to get legal advice when you're faced with one of these. Going to continue our discussion in that regard. Want to bounce over to a phone call. Always top priority. Patrick, thanks for hanging on there for a minute or two. How are you tonight? I am good. And you? Excellent, brother. What's uh, what's on your mind? Yes, I'm just calling uh, because uh, my wife just got let go of her work. 
Uh, she took a vacation. She's been working at that place for close to 15 years. And she had a vacation that and she took it and she overstayed, according to the employer. But it was she notified him before she went on the vacation. And she came back and found out that she doesn't have any work. And uh, he said she left the job when she basically said she didn't. Wow. So, and there's nothing for her. He doesn't want to give her any severance, nothing for the unemployment and say she quit the job. So I just want to know what choice do we have? So uh, what was your wife's uh, position? Uh, she was uh, pharmacy tech. Pharmacy tech. Okay. And yeah. she'd been there for, for 15 years? Yeah. Even though the company, changed, the ownership changed hands, but it's just the same place. So uh, this is unlikely to be job abandonment. If they knew that she was going on vacation, they approved a vacation, there may have been, it sounds like, potentially some miscommunication as to the length of that vacation. And this may be a situation where uh, perhaps if she had done, if she had overstayed, maybe some discipline would be in order. But just, just cause for dismissal, which is essentially what they're claiming, abandonment and just cause are, are effectively the same thing in this scenario. Yeah. I, I don't see it. So, uh, Patrick, I'd like your wife to give us a call because this okay. sounds exactly like the situation, uh, the kind of situation that we can help. Uh, and after 15 years, I mean, we haven't gotten into how old your, your wife is, but uh, at a, a pharmacy tech for 15 years, she could be owed well over a year of her pay. Uh, so this could be a very uh, important phone call, and, and I would uh, recommend that you do so uh, as soon as possible. Patrick, appreciate the call. I'm going to give you uh, that number now. Please uh, reach out again, one 821 5900 to get a hold of John or Lior, a member of the team. Do so. Write that down, one 821 5900 Don't sit on this. And you can drop an email by as well. That is a help at employmentlawyer.ca. We're going to continue our discussion here about employment agreements. Get to some of your uh, phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. We'll take a short break and get right back into it. This is Employment Law Show, and it's on Global News Radio. Welcome back indeed, and uh, continuing on, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. John Pincus in the hot seat tonight for your phone calls. Bring them on. We'd love to talk to you. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. We are a live show, of course, Monday nights, Wednesday nights, and you'll have the weekend shows as well. And Employment Law Show on TV, yeah, Global TV and CTV. That happens on Saturday and Sunday mornings. So the uh, the website to, uh, to check it all out, employmentlawyer.ca. Uh, lots more to go here as we continue our discussion, brother, about uh, what you need to know about employment agreements. I kind of touched on this off the, uh, off the top. And the question is, and this may surprise a lot of our listeners who, well, the regular listeners probably know this, shaking their head going, yeah, we know that, we're all over it. But uh, for newbies, what's better, handshake deal or a 10-page agreement? It will surprise a lot of people, uh, yep. maybe not reg regular listeners, but certainly a lot of people at, in the public at large, that 99% of the time, a handshake is much, much better. And, and a handshake is going to impose no specific restrictions on what you can and cannot do after your job is over. It's going to make sure you have your full entitlements if you are let go from your job. And if you start your job uh, on a handshake, you, you have all the rights that go along with it. You don't need them to be written down. They are there by default. Uh, and, and contrary to public uh, popular opinion, you do not need an employment agreement most of the time. I often hear employees complain about how they've been asking forever for a contract from their employer and how they're frustrated about how they couldn't get one. But the reality is most of the time you don't need one. Most of the time you probably don't want one.
So uh, why is that the case? The reason that's the case is because if you're going to get an employment agreement, then it's going to have terms that are going to limit... uh, you know what you can do if you resign what you can do if you or you're let go in terms of non-competition you're going to give the employer rights where they can move you uh, how they can change your duties um, what they can uh, require you to do and and uh, uh, what they and most importantly what they can pay you on termination and that is the big one and if you sign an employment agreement that's where you can make that mistake of not realizing that right. 10 20 years from now you've you've now signed away 10 20 50 hundred thousand dollars in entitlements. 416-870-6400 star 640 on cell is the number to call in. I want to continue talking about that uh, you know handshake versus massive document when it comes to the employment agreement, but first I want to bounce over to uh, the phones. Matthew, uh, good evening. How are you? Hey guys, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Good. Good, good, brother. What's uh, what's going on? Uh so I got a little problem at my uh, my work. Um our my employer decided to we used to just have sick days and that we have a little four days, or five days, I apologize, or six days. And after our sick days were over, if the doc, if the uh, employer wanted to ask us for a doctor's note, we would bring one in. Mm-hmm. Now they've changed the policy to say, after your five days or sick day are up, you every time you call in sick, you are required to bring a doctor's note without us asking you. And I can't find anything legislation that says that's right or wrong, or if there's, uh, and they're basically saying the next day, if you don't bring it in, you're suspended. And I was wondering if there's a grace period at all, if there's any law that says that they can't do that or any law pertaining around those. So I don't know if you, I was wondering if you could help me out with that. Right. Well, there there was a law very briefly uh, in between our, our provincial governments where uh, a sick leave of a certain uh, certain duration did not require uh, a doctor's note. But that that uh, has now been amended, and so it is within an employer's right to require a doctor's note. Now, I, I think that. If it's if it's not practical for you to get one for on that day, for example, if you're you're bedridden and it's not safe for you to uh, be in a doctor's office, then um, you you know you may have to get one retroactively, or really you have to do what's within reason. But if you're able to go to a doctor and get a note, then it it is legitimate for an employer to ask for that. But they're not entitled to all the information under the sun, right? They're not entitled to your diagnosis. They're entitled to know how long you're going to uh, be away from work, what kind of a accommodations you will need, if any, uh, when you're coming back to work, and that kind of thing related to the, the prognosis. But uh, I'd say if your employer is asking for doctor's notes, then um, that is something that you, you do have to provide within within reason. But uh, a suspension for not providing a note uh, does seem to me a, a little bit heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that if you're in a situation where you're facing discipline, where you know, you're know you trying to obtain doctor's notes and you're not able to in time and they're issuing discipline, I think you have to speak up and you may want to give us a call at that point. Okay, perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Matthew. Appreciate that. And uh, if you haven't got it already, the contact information to get a hold of John, one 821 5900 again 1855821500 help at employmentlawyer.ca would it be safe to say that uh, you know the handshake versus the 10 pager as far as employment agreements are concerned the 10 pager definitely favors the employer not the employee 
You know what? I never say definitely, John, because there's always an ex- <laughs> there's always an exception to the rule. You know me, uh, but I'll say that ninety to ninety nine percent of the time, yes, that's true. I have seen, you know, I've probably seen hundreds, if not thousands, of employment agreements, and I've maybe seen one or two where I thought, wow, this is a really good deal for the employee. That happens very, very rarely. The vast majority of the time, it is the handshake that you want. It's the handshake that's going to be better for you as an employee. So if you had to pick, say, a top three or even a top five of the important things to watch out for when signing that agreement, what would they be? So the, the, the big one, you know, the big elephant of the room is always the termination clause, right? The termination right. clause right. is one of the most damaging and costly things, or can be the most damaging and costly things, depending what it says, in terms of your future rights and entitlements. Uh, so you really, really need to be aware of that and understand what you are signing away, because it can be a fortune. Um, I'd say the other thing to look out is sometimes if you're in a situation where a company is being bought out by another company, uh, like an asset purchase sale, and they say, okay, now the new company is going to offer you new employment contracts, they may have a clause that says they're only going to recognize your past service for the minimum requirements under the statute. In other words, they're cutting out your prior service for the purpose of your full severance entitlements. That's another one to watch out for. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. And then I'd say maybe the other two are non-compete and non-solicitation clauses. You know, there are situations where if you leave the company for any reason, you may be prevented from working for a competitor for the next one or even two years. And this can have a devastating impact when combined with a termination clause. So consider this for a second. If you've Mm -hmm. signed a termination clause that allows for a probationary period of three months, which is legal, your employer may terminate your employment after or or just before that three-month mark passes, pay you no severance, and then prevent you from working in that industry for the next one or two years. So at that point, you you would have clearly been better off not taking the job, right? So you really have to consider these things uh, when you are signing these employment agreements because sometimes the terms are so oppressive and so unreasonable uh, that you may not want to consider taking the job, especially if you're already employed or if you have other opportunities. Well, you know, if if you're a potential employee looking at a job and this uh, you know, this looming employment agreement is there, is it hardwired? Is it no turning back or is it a document that could be negotiated some of the time or all the time? What do you think? Sometimes it can be negotiated, but if you want to negotiate, it should be done at the beginning uh, because once you're there, it's going to be much harder to do that. Uh, Now, sometimes if you're dealing with a large enterprise-level corporation and they've been interviewing many candidates, they may decide that they're really not interested in negotiating because they're so used to people just saying yes. But in other cases, you may very well have the leverage to negotiate an employment agreement. And you should especially consider negotiating an an employment agreement if you're at a job already and are being recruited away. You know, that's the point where you have the maximum leverage as an employee. You know they need you more than you need them. They, you know that you don't need to leave and and you're happy where you are. So talk to them about their non-compete clauses. Talk to them about their termination clauses. Maybe you can negotiate that something's more favorable to you. And maybe you can negotiate the termination clause away completely. Uh, and remember that if a company's not willing to negotiate a particular clause, it's because they intend to rely on it. So if you're uh, not comfortable, right? Because if you're not comfortable being paid totally. only eight weeks pay after being somewhere at a small company for 10 years, maybe that's not a job you want in the first place. Would you say that negotiation tactic and the success of one would also be realistic if it were the case where maybe you've gone through three, four, five interviews so far, you're down to the nitty gritty? Because now they've, they've invested a lot of time and resources into hiring you, so you should have some 
negotiation power there, no? Yeah, you should. I mean, this is this is where it becomes really not about the law, and it just becomes about the practical reality on the ground. Yeah, cool. Who is holding the power here? Is right. because the labor market is is just like a- any other market in one respect. It's supply and demand, and if they need you more than you need them, then you should be using that leverage to your advantage. Awesome. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale. Bring them on. You have lots of time to call in. Get to uh, to Mary. Mary, thanks for hanging uh, hanging on there for a couple of minutes. How are you? Good. Yeah, how are you? Great. Uh, what's your question? Well, I have a question. Um, if a company decides to um, let go of people due to restructuring, or they say because of um, because of a loss, or they're not doing well, um, say in the next six months or eight months they do well. Are they able to hire people to replace the same position, or is, it, is there a cost in terms of they're not able to replace the same position with different people within a certain period of time? Mm-hmm. Well, for provincially regulated employees, there is nothing preventing an employer from terminating anyone's employment, restructuring a division, and simply replacing that person with someone else. Now, if you're working for, let's say, a telecommunications company or a railroad, there are certain uh, uh, regulations in the Canada Labor Code that prevent an employer from just letting go someone and replacing them with someone else without cause. So, So there are certain protections, but for the vast majority of people who are in provincially regulated industries, there's really nothing stopping an employer from doing that. And unless they terminate employment for some kind of uh, discriminatory reason, for example, uh, because someone's a woman or because someone is from, uh, from some particular country or sexual orientation, et cetera, et cetera, there's really nothing wrong with an employer doing that. And they do have the freedom to let go someone and just replace them with whoever they'd like later on. Okay, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Mary. Appreciate that. If you want to reach out, continue the conversation. Uh, not an issue. one 821 5900 is the way to go, or simply help at employmentlawyer.ca. John will uh, be glad to carry on the uh, the conversation. The rest of the time, of course, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. you got plenty of time to call and get some answers, at least touch uh, touch on them anyway and carry on, carry on from there. Talking about employment agreements, so... We'll go past the point of looking at one. You've signed an employment agreement without advice. So now what? If you sign an employment agreement uh, without advice, it's of course it's not always it's not going to be ideal. Uh, but if you if even if you have, that's not necessarily the end of your entitlements. Uh, as employment lawyers, we often review clauses for compliance with legislation and to ensure that they actually and clearly validly limit your entitlements. And the reality is that many clauses do not. And in the event that a termination clause is illegal or otherwise not enforceable, then the court treats those termination clauses as if they don't exist in the first place. You know, there's other cases where the whole contract's not valid. So sometimes we see it where the contract signed midway through employment, which can invalidate the whole thing. And if the contract's void, we don't care about what it says. So, of course, unless you're an employment lawyer, you're simply not going to be in a position to properly analyze these issues. So the important thing is to pick up the phone, give us a call, or send us an email, and let's find out what you're actually owed in those circumstances. You have more seniority than you realize. We'll get to that uh, chat here in just a minute. But uh, I want to talk about this for, uh, for a moment. That would be the pocket employment lawyer now for several years. 
Uh, people enjoyed and got some really good information with the severance pay calculator. Well, it, is, uh, it has grown beyond that. I know uh, Lior and the team, you guys have been putting this together for a while. It has now been out for a few weeks, if not a couple months by now, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And it still has within it the uh, the severance pay calculator. But if you're wondering if you've been uh, terminated for cause or are you not an independent contractor, maybe you're a dependent contractor, maybe it's a case of a constructive dismissal or maybe there's been a human rights violation in your workplace with yourself. You're not sure. Workplace harassment, that is under there as well inside the uh, pocket employment lawyer. Also a section on long-term disability because, as we know, uh, LTD and insurance companies and employers because of the coverage and because of people being off, they dovetail nicely, and there's lots of overlap and interplay between the two. So there's also a pretty robust section on long-term disability. Basically, you can go here anytime, free of charge. It's anonymous. Don't have to mention your employer. Don't have to mention your name. And you can research a lot of information. It's like having a John Pincus in your pocket, and it's uh, really simple to get to. PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca. If you choose to carry on and contact the fellas and the uh, the young ladies at the firm, you can do so. There's a contact button at the top right, a uh, little yellow one there. So pocket employmentlawyer.ca it is a, a wonderful thing, thing to have and pretty soon i imagine it'll be attaining the same numbers that the uh, the severance pay calculator did last before that was enrolled at least rolled into the pocket employment lawyer there was about 750,000 hits on the uh, on the severance pay calculator yep. so this one's going to be uh this one's going to be pretty huge i would imagine again still time for you to call in 416-870-6400 star 640 on cell you have more seniority than you realize uh, number one, if you've been working as an independent contractor, describe that, explain it. Yeah, so independent contractors who are truly independent contractors right. may not be entitled to severance. But I, I can okay. honestly say that probably about 80% of the people who come across my desk are so-called, quote, here I'm using air quotes again, uh, independent <sighs> contractors, but are not they're not actually independent contractors at all. They're often employees. In some cases, they may not be employees, but they're still dependent contractors. And in those cases, it really makes absolutely no difference for your severance. And you are entitled to the exact same thing as you would have been if the company had recognized that you were, in fact, an employee. And the courts have also said that if you were a true independent contractor early on and later on you became an employee, your full years of service count, including your time as a contractor. So all that matters uh, is the facts on the ground and at the time that you're let go. You have more security than you realize if you've been recruited from another company. I love this one. Yeah, so this is what uh, we employment lawyers like to call inducement. So if you're working at a company for, let's say, 10 or 20 years, and then you get recruited to another company, and the second company lets you go, then they may owe you severance based on your full years of service. Now, this issue speaks exactly as to why you have to be very careful about the employment agreements you sign, just just going back to what we were talking about earlier, because if you've been recruited, an employment agreement may have a termination clause that tries to limit you to the statutory minimum. It may have a probation clause, which of course you should never be agreeing to uh, if you're recruited. And it may even have an express clause stating that you have not been induced or recruited. So remember that the devil can be in the details. And this is one of those things where, again, if you've been recruited, they're coming after you. You're not going after them. You try like hell to negotiate that out of there. Yeah, yeah. I think that if you're being recruited, that, that, as I said before, I mean, it's the perfect time that you have leverage and you really you have to use it for your own good uh, in that uh, in that situation 416-870-6400 star 640 on your cell we'll get to another call uh saul good uh, good evening how are you good how are you good brother what's uh, what's on your mind 
okay, I'm kind of coming from the, the other standpoint. I'm wondering from an employer's standpoint, at what right. point is it too late to introduce a new clause into a contract or to draft the contract anew? Excellent so it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a very good question and uh, one that, that's actually asked by my employer clients all the time. And the truth is there's, there's really, it's really never too late technically. Uh, you just you can't force your employee and you have to offer them something of value that's new and this is something that you really want to do with the help of an employment lawyer to make sure that all the pieces fit because you could have a great termination clause but if it's not presented and executed in in the proper way then you may never be able to enforce it so again the, the short answer to your question when is it too late uh, it, technically never uh, there you can always introduce new terms as long as that other uh, as the other side agrees to it and they get something of value in exchange so if that's something you're thinking of doing uh, please do give us a call because we uh, help employers with that all the time all right thank you very much Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. And that number, one 821 5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. Going to move on down the line to uh, to Annie. Hi, Annie. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Great. What's on your mind? Okay. I, I am a unionized member, but right now I am not unionized anymore because what happened is I got terminated on my job. And... Uh, my the union and the companies uh, signed some agreement which I didn't. They sent me a check of, uh, of say a severance, mm-hmm. and I sent back the check to them because I needed my grievances to go to arbitration, which the union refused to take it to arbitration. So seeing that they signed the paper and sent me the check, I sent the check back to the company and I said no, I needed my case to go to arbitration. And no one is doing anything about it. So my mm. question is, can I take a lawyer in a situation like this now? Because I'm not in a union anymore. You're, are you? But you're not. You're not employed at the company anymore either. You're just. You're, yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. So if you're not employed at the company anymore. Uh, the only thing that you could do uh, is try to find uh, a lawyer who do who would do what's called the duty of fair representation uh, action. But uh, those are uh, very rare, uh, extremely difficult, and I don't have a terribly high success rate uh, as far as far as I know. So, mm-hmm. um, the rea- practically speaking, there's not a whole lot that you can do. Uh, unions tend to have a fair degree of latitude in terms of what grievances they take on and they can't. So, you know, what I always say is this is pretty much the trade-off of being a unionized employee is that you have uh, great rights while you're employed and you have uh, great rights if, if the union decides to grieve your termination. But if they don't, you're, you're kind of out of luck. And unfortunately, outside of a, as I mentioned, a very difficult duty to uh, fair represent, representation, application mm-hmm. it, it's uh there's not a whole lot you can do in that situation okay so and right now where do i stand is to take the check from them and just let it be or because i've been harassed by the team leader down uh, my place uh there were several complaints been done with the manager um uh the head manager and no one did nothing about it until right um, they decide to call me at home on an ESA day and right. tell me I'm terminated. 
Well, if it hasn't yet been one year since those events happened, you may actually still be able to bring an application to the Human Rights Tribunal. Uh, mm-hmm. There, there is again that that that's a one-year limitation. But as a unionized yeah. employee, uh, you you often uh, can still have what well, you do really still have standing there because the union cannot contract out of the uh, out of the Human Rights Tribunal. Uh, unfortunately, okay. the Human Rights Tribunal is very, very backed up right now, so that is an extremely long process. Uh, mm-hmm. But you may, you may have that uh, as a right, and you may want to look into that. Okay, all right. Thank you so much because I called your office, and uh, they told me that uh, they weren't able to take the case. So right. Well, that's that's just because of the unionization issue, which is uh, it's unfortunate. We wish we could help unionized employees, but generally speaking, it's just not uh, not within our power to do that. Andy, appreciate your time, and thank you for the phone call. I'm going to back to this, and that is, you have more seniority when you uh, than you realize when there are gaps in service. How about that? Gaps in service, if they're long enough, can affect your severance. Uh, But like anything else, it's going to depend, and there's always exceptions. And I've I've had some of these exceptions come up in my practice, and one of these exceptions is where, let's say, someone leaves a company, uh, even even they quit voluntarily, but that company right. then invites them to come back to work, puts their benefits back in place as they were, restores their vacation. Uh, then then those people are entitled to severance actually based on their full years of service, uh, even the years that were, were broken up by the, the gap. So in, in fact, the mere fact of an employer recruiting you back to work can sometimes be enough to justify considering your full years of service. So it's wow. uh, there, there's exceptions to the rule. Sure. Seniority, and you realize you may have more, and we, we've had this one, I, I would say, almost countless times on the show uh, from phone calls, and that is if your company has been taken over by a new employer. People don't realize this, do they? It's a situation I see time and time again. I yeah. can't tell you how often I've heard from employers who try to argue, well, the old employer paid him termination pay, or we have this asset purchase agreement, or all kinds of nonsense reasons why they shouldn't be <sighs> responsible for the employee's full years of service. And the reality is that the law does not care about these things. Uh, in fact, I just recently had to take a, a matter to court on precisely this issue. I had a client who'd been employed for 36 years for one employer. The next employer wow. took over. Hired. Wow, right? <laughs> 36 years. So they Jeez. hired her for a few weeks, uh, and then they let her go, and they didn't pay anything and treated her like a probationary employee. And what the court held is that this did not matter, and they they awarded her severance based on her full years of service, and that that was 20 months pay. So it, no it's, kidding. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's yeah, an important man. issue. We got about a a short minute to go here, Andrew. I'll slide you in quickly. What's your uh, what's your question? If you could make it quick one. Hey, yeah, I was hired as an independent contractor, and I signed a contract saying that I wouldn't get termination pay if they uh, fired me. But I looked at my job details, and I think I was an employee. I was wondering how I can go ah. about getting that. You you may very well have been, Andrew. We we speak to a lot of people in your situation, and just because you've signed an independent employment con- uh, independent contractor agreement does not change the facts on the ground, and it doesn't change how the law is going to view your situation. So if you suspect uh, you may be an employee, this is one of those walks like a duck situations, uh, if you know what I mean. So uh, give us a call, and we can have a detailed discussion with you, and we can tell you uh, based on our you know on on the various assessment of your situation whether you are an employee and what your entitlements are going to be. 
there's one of those situations all over again, right? You never know if it's going to come out in the wash that you're an employee or a contractor. And a lot of the time, they're just simply employees, right? And they're yeah, paying and, their own and, taxes, not enough, and it gets into some CRA trouble too. Yeah, it's, it, and exactly. So it's important to know for that reason alone. I mean, if you are an employee, you should be treating your taxes like you're an employee. And so I think yeah. even if you haven't been let yeah. go, it's in your interest to talk to a lawyer about it. Man, it's been uh, it's been a good hour, and I see uh, I see you uh, there, Peter. We couldn't get to you, but please call this number. Please call this number because I see what you're going to talk about. So call John one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is that number. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. We will reconvene Wednesday right here, a little after seven o'clock once again. Stick around. Greg Brady is right back here with On Point. Don't go anywhere. This is Global News Radio.